This is Point of View with Chris Berg. Good evening and welcome to Point of View. I'm Chris Berg. Great to be back in the chair live with you and thank you so much for joining us here tonight. Some very, very exciting news. The first time in over a year, look at this, we have a live guest in studio and it's Congressman Kelly Armstrong. It is so great to see you face to face. Well, thanks for having me. You know, we've been on the road. We've been out here in Fargo for about three days and it's the same with us. We haven't really done any of this for over a year, so it feels good to get back out and start having in-person meetings, it's you know, still following all the rules and all of that, but people are ready. Oh my goodness, they are like chomping at the bit now that it's starting to heat up. Anyways, I want to talk about immigration, some of the things that are happening from, you know, the D.C. that affect you and obviously all of us here in the great state of North Dakota. But first, you just got some pictures recently about some fires happening in Medora. What can you tell us? Yeah, I mean, it's right now, it's just real dry out there. The wind has been blowing. Obviously, it's been a nice winter, but we haven't had a lot of moisture. We had a fire north of Richardson where we had numerous uh, rural fire departments respond. Very large, five, I mean, huge fire. Now there's a fire in Medora, right? now so we're all happy we're gonna have a nice Sunday or Easter weekend but we could sure use a lot of rain but tell people because the pictures you showed me is it looks like it's close to yeah I mean the smoke here the pictures obviously when you're up there it's I mean it's very close to uh, the Medora musical the actual thing I know Governor Burgum has put on a statewide burn I mean fire index and it's we <coughs> really really need some moisture out west yeah say some prayers for the people out west that we do get some and moisture. the firefighters and the firefighters and keep the Medora musical safe. I mean, that, that is such a great event. We're coming up on that time very shortly. Now, let's talk about immigration. I want to share with you and our audience just a couple pictures, a quick video to create some context as we jump into this conversation. This first picture here uh, happened in mid-March. This is a six-month-old congressman. Six-month-old that was coming across on a raft was thrown in to the Rio Grande River by the coyotes. They assaulted the mom. The mother of this young kid had broken legs. I mean, it's just, it's, it's, it's heartbreaking to see what's happening. This next video I want to share with our audience, in case they haven't seen this yet, is a three and a five-year-old. Again, a coyote brings a three. If we've got this video, guys, we can bring it up. A three and a five-year-old. Basically, here it comes, um, but being just tossed over. This is a 14-foot wall. The coyote is bringing him over and basically just says, okay, get ready, and releases him. As you can see here in a moment, we're going to give you a little bit of this. And then the coyotes take off. And thank goodness we've got some technology at the border that allowed our border patrol and the wonderful people there to see this. But again, this is a three- and a five-year-old. Thank goodness they are safe and sound and healthy. But if we didn't have this technology, they went out in the middle of a desert and, you know, very bad heat for God knows how long. Question to you, how do we stop this kind of stuff from happening? Well, I think, the, I mean, the short version and the political version is put up a big stop sign. Say, stop, we're full. We have places at 700% capacity. Um, there, I mean, there is no doubt that a lot of the reversals of President Trump's immigration um, policies have led people to think that the, the, the situation and the way a new government is going to treat them is going to be um, more favorable than it was prior. And we need to keep a light on it. We need to keep shining attention on it because it is a humanitarian crisis. So who needs to say that? Because you're, you're President Biden. But he has. Yeah. And then you've got a person there that speaks English that says, hey, la frontera, no, no está cerrada. I mean, saying, hey, this isn't closed. Mm -hmm. You know that's the soundbite that's being played mm -hmm. down in the Central Triangle Absolutely. of Mexico. And, you know, and Mexico's president... Well, actually towards was pretty good partner with President Trump has come out saying um, some things as well we have to deal with these issues because we don't have any I mean these conditions are 
listen, I don't care if it's under President Trump or under President Biden, uh, the people working down there and, and doing what they can in these, uh, in, the, in these circumstances are doing the best they can. But one, they're not daycare providers, they're law enforcement officials. Two, the laws are so, I mean, messed up as to how all of this interacts that we can't deal with it. Uh, we don't have the capacity to test them. We don't have the capacity to house them. You know, we've heard stories, I, I mean, about trying to move them now to Air Force bases or different places like that. And the best answer we have to do is we have to get them stopped. And one of the things I think that we need to do a better job of is turning them away at the border, at least adults and everybody like that. I mean, when the kids and the unaccompanied minors come across, how we deal with that is a little different. But So real quickly, just for time's sake, did you support the Stay in Mexico program? Yes. Do you support this, the Third Safe Country program? Yes. Yeah, so, so when you say Joe Biden needs to say, hey, we're not open, he's saying that. Um, uh, Alexandria Mayorkas is saying the same thing, essentially, but yet they still come. Well, hopefully the leg... Let me, let me just... Okay. Why do you think they continue to allow this to happen? Because, well, I mean, the elections obviously have consequences. Joe Biden's the president now, but when you run on these issues and run, and everybody talks about how uh, everything we have done on the border and border security is bad, I mean, the natural evolution. And by the way, the communication in the, I mean, the chain of this stuff works. I mean, I'm glad that the president has said that, but it took him two weeks to admit it was a crisis. It was after FEMA spent $150 million on the border before they would actually even acknowledge this is a crisis. And that's important because this policy is important. It's not just important for this. You have to remember, I mean, this is how drugs get across. This is how everything does. The number one thing I want people to take away from this is that the cartels will do what they do to raise money and make money. And if the best way they can do that is dealing drugs, that's what they'll deal. If the best way they can deal with that is dealing four-year-olds, that's what they're going to deal. And so we need to be able to deal with those issues. Yeah, there was a tweet recently that they were making $14 million a day smuggling people. We had a, a great interview with the sheriff down there, talked about, look, there's more money in people smuggling now than there is drugs. What I want you to walk through for people, and, and by the way, you were at Shine High School today. Yeah. There were some things brought up about this. You had mentioned that your wife, I believe, got her green card in 2004 yep. and is now going through the legal immigration process. Yep. So, Well, citizenship, but yeah. Ci she's thank you. Yeah. Citizenship process. Appreciate that. So 2004 to 2021, I'm not a math major, but that's a long time, right? Yeah. Yet, if a person comes here and claims asylum, how long till they can become a citizen? It, well, and that's, it, it, it depends, right? It depends on where they're getting it from and how that works. But I think the bigger issue with all of this, and my wife, I, I just have to be clear, my wife's doing it now because Norway changed their law to allow dual citizenship. She could have applied okay. for citizenship in the U.S. very early. She didn't want to give up her Norwegian citizenship. I completely understand. If I'd have moved to Norway, I wouldn't have given up my U.S. citizenship. But... Our legal immigration system is really, really broken. We have people working in North Dakota who have gone through this process that are three, four, five years behind, behind what their scheduled testing is, their scheduled processing is. And these types of issues don't help. And we have, not only do we have to fix our illegal immigration system, we have to fix our legal system too. But you're not answering my question. My question oh. is, so if you go through the immigration system legally, mm -hmm. what's a typical time frame versus <laughs> asylum? Uh, the typical time frame right now, I, I don't know what the typical time frame is. What I can tell you, people who have done it legally are seven years behind schedule. Seven years behind schedule. So obviously schedule. then it's more than seven years yeah, to get that done. Yeah. Do you know what it is for an asylum seeker? It's it, five it, years. So my question to you is, again, I, I don't mean to go there, but do you think some of this process, some of these policies are to bring in, quote unquote, what they believe are going to be Democrat voters? Yeah, I mean the cynical part of that, I think that I, I think to some degree that's accurate. I think, I, I think globally there 
their view on these things is very, very much more lax than ours is. I mean, Representative Ocasio-Cortez said anybody who calls it a surge is a white supremacist. I mean, that was on video yesterday. I mean, there's a lot of that that goes on. And uh, I mean, I think the cynical part of that, you can say those things as well. But regardless of what their motives are, we can't do it, right? We have real immigration issues we have to deal with. We have to deal with ag labor we in North Dakota. We can't do what? We can't continue to let this happen. But that's my, you, you say, hey, Joe Biden's calling this a border crisis. Some would call this a border plan. Yeah, I'm not, I mean, I don't know. I, I, I okay. don't know about that. I mean, I am sure there is somebody on that side who really uh, deals with this, but I don't think anybody, I mean, you know, Democrat Henry Cuellar down there has been one of the loudest critics of this. And by the way, this is, if you talk to people in those border communities, I'm going down there next week. Uh, I don't think it's a Republican and Democrat issue at this point in time. It is, an, no. it is an absolute crisis. All those Southern Texas counties flipped from 2016 to 2020, from Clinton to, to Trump. So I guess what I want to do is let's put it in people's uh, dinner tables right now. When you see what's going on from an immigration standpoint, tell the person sitting at home, what does this crisis plan mean for them? Well, what it means for them is absolutely, if you know anybody who's struggling with regular immigration issues in North Dakota, which we have a lot, we can't solve those problems because we continue to deal with crises on the southern border. If you're somebody who believes, like I do, that we have real opportunities to do some of this, we can't get to step two because we continue to deal with this. And I think most importantly, I think those videos show it pretty well. The cartels will take no, they won't think twice about dumping a baby into the Rio Grande, and they won't think twice about jumping somebody over a fence. And we can't continue to allow people who are a basically paramilitary criminal organization to be in charge of our in charge of our immigration system on the southern border. And that's the reality. That's what's going on. So, can we agree that Mexico is pretty much a narco state? Well, the, what I so I I just said yes. Well, the northern third of Mexico isn't controlled by the so Mexican government. So we are sending troops to Syria, but not to our southern border. Should we have troops on our southern border? I get, I I would be more comfortable getting cooperation from Mexico to go deal with them in Mexico than I would having U.S. troops. I mean, National Guard, those types of things. I get really nervous about putting our U.S. military on U.S. soil. Uh, all of those types of issues. But you know what? They should be helping them because the t state of Texas, state of Arizona, are starting to deploy, or we're, we're deploying state assets because they were getting no help from the federal government. So National Guard, those types of things, border security, whether it's a wall, which we know works, we know it works in D.C. because they put one around the Capitol. Like, we know this works, or whatever it is to, uh, to secure the border, but also ensure that they are going, I mean, dealing with asylum in the way it's supposed to be done and not overrunning these vast areas of uncontrolled border. And it's, it is controlled, right? I mean, I have a good friend, Chip Roy, who's a congressman from down there, just on his own ran into a group of 16-year-old kids that were lost after crossing the border. Now, Chip is a very conservative Republican, and he pointed them to the right place to go because he doesn't want them to get hurt or killed or dehydrated or any of those things either. Well, two things real quickly, because I think it's important, in my opinion, to say, please don't point the finger at these immigrants. I mean, if you're in Honduras, and if I see a mom taking up a five-year-old kid, making that kind of trek, that, that tells me a lot of character about that person. And they're just coming here for a better life for the family. It's these policies that are the problem. Fair? Yeah, and how we define asylum, how we do asylum reform, how we do deal with our border laws. I mean, there's some things that aren't shouldn't be partisan, right? You have essentially 21 days, and if you don't get done within 21 days, you have to let them go. But if you exhaust all your legal remedies, you automatically go past 21 days. Well, that's just bad law.
right? So when we, when we hear a lot of things, at times you'll hear about catch and release, well, one of the reasons is that. Because they're going to have to release them anyway, because if they use, utilize their, utilize their uh, legal rights, they're going to anyway. So how about we just fix that? That shouldn't be a partisan issue. How about we just actually have the law match up to the process? Which, which makes common sense to us. But I mean, now they're basically fingerprinting and saying, hey, Mr. Armstrong, you know, we're going to release you into the country and we're going to trust that you're going to go into an ICE place and get your asylum process adjudicated. I mean, without a COVID test. While we're talking about COVID vaccines, <laughs> I mean, basically talking about COVID passports for, for American citizens. People understand hypocrisy and they understand the reality. And, and I think this is what gets the audience so far. Now in San Diego, for immigrant children, they get live schooling. But if you're not an immigrant child, then you, you don't. Yeah, I, saw the, I, I saw that. I didn't read the article, but I, I really hope that wasn't entirely accurate because that is the definition of actually hypocrisy. It's fairly accurate. So today, which was great, you were at Cheyenne High School talking to the government class. One of the things that jumped out to me said, hey, we need reasonable immigration reform. What is that? So reasonable immigration reform starts with border security, starts with amnesty reform. It has to, because if you're going to deal with a dreamer population or if you're going to deal with any of these things, and we need to, right? We have to deal with that. I think I said this today. Deporting a third-year med student from uh, New Mexico, wherever it is, back to Brazil when she got here when she was four months old and doesn't even speak Portuguese is not a realistic system. It's not reality. It's not very Christian, and it's not good public policy. The difference is we can't deal with any of those issues till we solve border security and, and amnesty reform because otherwise we're going to have to do it every 22 years. And that's what I think frustrates so many people. And then we need to fix our legal immigration system so they're not waiting seven years past schedule so we can't get people processed and do it. And so people, there's more incentive to do it the illegal way than the right way. And so, that's a terrible public policy. I don't care if it's immigration or anything else. For time's sake, we're going to keep you for the second okay. block and, and have you just uh, take questions from the audience. But um, COVID, do you know where the coronavirus came? Was it from a lab or is it from I don't. I, I mean, How I know do we where it came from. That? Well, I mean, part of the reason is, is because who, I mean, <laughs> who's policing the policers is a question. I think it's a real honest question. I think there's a bigger question to ask of why there was this lab existing this close to a huge population base in a wet market. Regardless, we know where it came from. We don't know how it got to where it was. And we just don't. And the information, I mean, there are a lot of people that are, will say that it absolutely didn't happen here, but they don't know that either. That's a political answer. It's not a science Former answer. CDC director Robert Redford, Red, Redford, no. Redfield is saying, hey, I think it came from a lab. I mean, yeah. can you? And others say it came from the wet market and others say it's mutated. I mean, we don't know any of those things. I don't have enough information to give you an accurate Should answer. we continue to, to yes. fund, 100, oh, no, no. fund the WHO? I have a lot of problems with the WHO and I have a lot of problems with how they handled the first three months, two, three months yeah. of this. And I think uh, it's really turned into a political organization that is much more worried about uh, things China that, worried about political ramifications of their decisions based uh, as opposed to science-based All decisions. right, thank you for this. Uh, as we mentioned just a moment ago, Congressman Armstrong will stick around for the next segment. We've got a bunch of great questions from you, the audience. We're going to ask him those coming up right after this. As always, please share your point of view with us, what you heard there about immigration, immigration reform, email us, text us, leave us a voicemail. We'll be right back.